0: Welcome back to the Keep It Quirky Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. Hey, everyone. Happy to have you back here. And I'm going to start with some exciting news. And that is that I am about to launch a new podcast partnering with the Food 52 Podcast Network. It's called Either Side Eaters, and I'm co-hosting with the incredible Jen Panomrat. You all might know her as Jen Eats Life. She's incredible. She's been a good friend of mine for years. We have such a blast together. We've started recording for Either Side Eaters. It's going to launch on the Food 52 Podcast Network mid-March, and we're so excited. We So far, we've had so much fun doing these recordings. And guess what? We want to hear from you. So these episodes feature call-ins from listeners, from all of you. So if you're interested in asking us a question about food, culture, questions like, why do some cultures keep their eggs in the fridge and some out of the fridge? Or why is peanut butter not a thing in many parts of Europe like it is in America? Please uh, record a voice memo for us. So I will include a link for you to do that in the description box. Any question on your mind, holler at us and we would love to talk about it. So that's big news in the podcast world. In video world, I'm still uploading every single week to YouTube. So you can basically feel like you're living in Southern Italy with me. So go to QKD on YouTube to follow all of my adventures over here. And on that note, thank you to my Patreon community, The Quirky Club for supporting this content that I create for you all. And now to today's episode. I am so excited to share this conversation with you because I, I loved this woman's book and then I talked with her and I love this woman. Uh, Her name is Anna Maggio. She is from the Puglia region of Italy, the same region where I'm living right now. She wrote a gorgeous love letter, essentially, to this region and to the food, the nourishing food of this area. It's called Under the Olive Tree.
1: In a way, this is a testament to my belief in who we are and what we do with our life and what we eat. What we eat, what we ingest is the most intimate thing that we can do to our body.
0: And in this interview, we talk about some of her history, her life of living in Puglia, then moving to Milan with her family when she was an early teenager, and then eventually in early adulthood moving to London. And yeah, and we had a great time talking. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Anna Maggio. Anna Maggio, thank you so much for being on the Keep It Quirky podcast. Thank you very much, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. And um, I wanna start with Telling you that I have in front of me here some lembashoni Exactly. You wow. Did you boil them yourself? Did I, you did, them? I did. I did. I followed the directions of your cookbook. This is a very, very simple recipe, of course. It doesn't even... All of them are. Yes, all they, them are. they all are. They all are, which is, is something I want to... Also, get back to because that is definitely a theme. There is a theme, and another theme along the lines of being easy to prepare is that they are simple in every way. And in the book, you mention that these lambascioni, which are basically little, they're almost like little onions or something. Ah, since bulbs. Hyacinth
1: bulbs. Hyacinth bulbs, yes. Okay. Hyacinth bulbs. I mean the Dutch should eat them because they had the war of uh, the, the, the bulbs in the 16th century. And um and they are simple, but everything that grows in Puglia for center for millennia had to be dug up and eaten because they were extremely poor. Mm-hmm. And poverty makes you Think of ways of eating anything that you can see.
0: And so I love that you mentioned that, like, the rich Tuscans don't eat these. Although, do they grow on Tuscan soil as well?
1: I'm sure it's a plant that is endemic in Italy. I'm not sure. What I can't say 100% is whether they have them, because the climate is not the same. But I bet that (laughs) they have them. But the, the Tuscans have been so uh opulent and and sat, uh, satiati you know full of food they don't they don't need to go and scavenge the ground they haven't not needed it for the last 500 years yeah for centuries uh, yeah. so i mean you know why do that when you can have the best cuisine or the best food in the world
0: i believe that you don't use this exact term in the book but it's something that came to mind so much is the idea of cucina povera? La cucina povera. In
1: fact, I never mentioned it in my book because I thought it was obvious. Funny you say that, because I dreamt about it last night. No way. <laughs> yes. And I said to myself, why I never mentioned the words cucina povera in my book? And then I thought, it's because it's it's what it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is cucina povera because very often it wasn't just the man of the house that went out digging and uh, the ground and, you know, being in the fields, but was also the wife. And when they came back, she had to be extra quick to prepare some food for the hungry husband and hungry children because very often she had the hungry children with her all day. So they, she had to invent things that could be... Beaten be nicely spiced or with, you know, with a bit of olive oil and garlic and,
0: and they ate and a lot of bread. And a, a lot. lot of delicious bread. Yeah. I so love that. And I, oh, well, I think the idea of Cucina Povera is obviously not a new one in any way. It's not, it's not a new term. It's not she-she. It's Isn't...
1: just from, it's from the need the, and yes. the money and this yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. What I think is so interesting about this is that with Italian food specifically, it has now become in like bright, shiny lights, Italian food, this very, uh, you know, it's been elevated. Yeah. Uh, but, but something that I particularly love about this book, and I have it sitting right next to me under the olive tree, is that you are so specific to Puglia, to the region where you were born and spent your early years, because it it really hones in on the specialties of this region versus like this big Italian food, in quotes, you know, like that that is all encompassing. This is so specific.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It is specific because I am, I am from Puglia, and I have been longing for Puglia. I mean, in a way, this is a testament to my belief in who we are and what we do with our life and what we eat. What we eat, what we ingest is the most intimate
0: thing that we can do to our body. That that comes across so clearly. And actually, I would love to have you read an excerpt. Do you have the book near you right now, by chance? <laughs> Perfect. It says here, a simple
1: but nourishing diet has sustained us for centuries. We had no name for it. Now it is fashionably called the Mediterranean diet. Yep.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Exactly what you are saying.
0: Yes. So actually stay on that page that you're on, page 15. uh, The Magic of Puglia, Past and Present is, is the title. And I would love if you would just read, let's see, that first paragraph.
1: Puglia is known as the Mezzogiorno, the land of eternal midday, where time slows down and nothing changes. It evokes images of an ancient past and distant people. Greeks, Arabs, Normans and Spaniards, they all left a legacy, a blend of traditions, folklore and religion. These influences have made Pugliese cuisine one of the most varied in the whole of Italy.
0: Thank you. For anyone who is not familiar with Puglia, which I think is, Puglia is getting more and more interest abroad.
1: Yeah. I do think it's because there, are, there were so many immigrants to America in 1916, mm-hmm. 18, I mean, eighteen twenty the 20s. Yeah, and So there are lots of grandmothers or great grandmothers, and then the other the children now are starting to believe in their own history, And connecting
0: with the food. I guess I I bring up this the Puglia specific stuff because for anyone who does not know what Puglia is, I think you make it so tempting to like, if you've never heard of Puglia, even that one paragraph that you just read, it's like, I have to know this place. It's, you know, it's magical, it's mysterious. It's got this textured, incredible history. Um, You just make it a place to that you want to know and when you describe um that your home there the the trulo. Uh, the trulo thank you it's a which is um a trullo is a kind of architecture um that's this area is known for um how would you describe it it's a it's a it's a circular shaped building, circular shaped building. Uh, they were built because of poverty
1: because the people that worked on the land normally were paid pittance by the owners, they were called Masari, and they had no money to buy a house. And they discovered when they dug the ground, that there were these massive boulders, massive stones, limestone, and they, they decided to make a house out of these stones plus they also decided to put a, a keystone at the top which when they pulled it out the whole thing collapsed so that they didn't, oh, didn't. Have to pay tax Oh it was a, a totally and brilliant way like with food that they discovered that they could have a, a home and first of all would be one Cone, And then if they had a child, they would attach another cone and then they had four or five children and they attached another cone and simply by putting dry stones together.
0: That's incredible. I didn't know that part of the history that's so cool lots of stuff about it oh my gosh and but there's there's so much there's so much to discover and so uh, again to go back to the lembushoni which i have here and have already snacked on earlier and might snack on uh, as we talk to
1: oil and vinegar on it. yes
0: yeah. i do i do indeed <laughs> um actually i'm gonna i'm just gonna have a bite right here while we're while we're talking which
1: oh my one? goodness me <laughs> Oh, I'm very envious. Mm, oh. They're bitter. You are the only one I know from outside Puglia who loves them because
0: they always say, oh, it's bitter. I also love Cime de Rapa, which is a wonderful <laughs> bitter green. I, on, I honestly feel like your book has shed light on my life living in Puglia. Um, and one example of that is the Lembachoni because I I, I I read in your book about these and I was like, hmm... That's bizarre. Like, I don't, I don't think I've seen these in at my market. And then, and then the next time I went, I looked and they were right there. They, and they had been there the whole time, but I thought that they were just these like dirty, weird little onions. Like I didn't know what they were. So I never even consciously noticed them. And so I was like, oh, my God, I know what those are. It's only Cosa Nostra. <laughs> it's only Cosa Nostra. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> You don't find those in restaurants, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I just feel like so much that you've written in your book has helped add to, to my life here. Such a pleasure to hear. This is wonderful. Thank you. I'm really pleased. You're so welcome. And really, my thanks to you. To go back to the ancestry thing and feeling a connection to a place and how food is such an essential part of feeling connection. And you you express it so beautifully in the book. So my great grandparents are were both Italian immigrants to ah, America, and that's <laughs> and
1: why you are interested?
0: Yes, <laughs> there was a seed somewhere. I knew I knew there
1: was a seed somewhere.
0: Uh, it's so interesting how those seeds get planted. Because I I would like to think I would be interested otherwise. But you're right that it's it it adds so much. um so my great grandfather was from Basilicata, from a place just outside of Matera.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a marvelous, beautiful place.
0: Yes, it really is. And then, and recently made a UNESCO World Heritage site. And then my, my Bisnona was from Calabria.
1: Ah, so you got, your blood is full of passion. <laughs> yeah, it is, whether <laughs> I like it or not. It. <laughs> All I can say is that in, um, when, when Italy from the various duchies changed to Repubblica, Repubblica Italiana, 19 comuni, 19 uh, regions were formed. But there has always been, a divide, a great divide between North and South in uh, in um, ways of living, thinking, uh, moods, character, food, especially food, due to um, the weather, but also due, due to uh, the economies. I mean, the, the, the North has always been renowned to be the richest. I mean, you know, the lombardy is the rich industrial uh, region and the same with torino they've got uh, the, the car companies etc if, if we go down we find that after rome that those regions in the south they were left to their own destiny basically by by the government by everything because they never really were good for industries, mm. and also because there was this history of men digging the ground and and creating the the business and the money out of the earth, out of nature, because of all. The usurpers and the occupations, the Arabs, the, the Greeks, the uh, Turks came there, the Normans from the north, and then they made King uh, Frederick II, who was a great wonder of the world, came to Puglia, built incredible castles, incredible... The whole thing flourished under him. He was a great man. He was a, surrounded by philosopher, poets, um, and... Um, and, and, and you know, life was very good in Puglia in the 12th century, ah. and so all these things left a trace. I left a trace of culture. Left a trace of food. I was reading just this morning that because of his banquets, King Frederick II, um, the, the 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 banquets were enormous. So the Pugliese, although they were poor, that they remembered that there are things that you can cook that are incredibly lovely and tasty and they're obviously taken on because the Cucina Pugliese is one of the best of the southern part of Italy it really is nobody talks about Cucina Calabrese or Cucina. Mm. you know the Cucina Pugliese is quite sensational but it's to do with all these invaders they left a mark the wow. Spaniard French they left a mark And they left a mark in the cooking, of course, is the first thing.
0: I love that. So I I do want to go back to the North and South divide that you talked about, because at some point in your childhood, your mother, a single mother, decided to move you and your brother to Milan, which is, as you have just said... In the north, it's a part of Lombardy region and it, very wealthy. And you describe in the book how it was a complete 180. Can you talk a little bit about that, and then the effect that it had on your life? Because it also, I'm sure, set you up to, to to move to London eventually. But
1: it set me up to fight, actually, to fight for survival.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: because all I remember was this long train journey with these. Two suitcases, all our belongings in two suitcases, and probably a cardboard box as well as I said it was Black like Rock with Fratelli which is a fantastic film about that area about that that Phenomenal, moving north in search of of fame and fortune. But my mother followed her seven brothers and sisters who had already migrated before her. So that's what used to happen. The same as your great grandfather going to America. I don't know, but they, they they went first and then they asked the rest of the family to move. Yeah, so that's what happened. So we were. I was excited, probably because as a child you're excited at new things, but then reality was that my mother found a place to live, but she had to work day and night to keep us. I went to school and I went to school in this big, gray, foggy, there was a lot of foggy Milan at the time. So all I remember is the, the foggy mornings and me on my own, age 10, 11, having left a tiny village, having to take a, a tram and go to school, where I was told that I had to repeat a year because the, um, the, the the marks in Puglia were not as good as the ones at the top uh, of Italy. And therefore, you know, I had to repeat and be treated really like an immigrant and really like someone who gave away I came from the South because I had an, a Southern Italian accent. Mm. So... Really very lonely making. I, never, I don't remember any friends of that t- time. I don't remember any friends. And um, because people just stayed in their own houses and uh, they didn't want to involve themselves with immigrants. When I uh, reached the age of sort of 13, 14, well, then I started working. I started working at the age of 14. Wow. Went to school in the evening. I went, I went, finished working at six o'clock, went to evening classes to learn to type, shorthand, and then later English and all the, all the other things that would make me able to face the world and not be treated like an immigrant. Uh, even then later on, you know, I worked. And then by the time I was uh, 16, 17, I worked for a lawyer. Uh, and uh, worked as his secretary. So life was starting to get better, and I, I read incessantly. And then by the time I got 20, I decided I, I needed to go outside Italy and explore the world. And the nearest world, which was different to mine, was England. Um, and because France, I had been there visiting my uncle, but England was really exploration, I like go to the Everest. Yeah. And so, and so, I I just um, came here as an au pair um, for six months to to perfect my English, which I had studied in the evenings until ten o'clock. In the, I remember the evenings in the winter they were awful to go from work to the evening classes, and I, you know, it was very hard work. The first job I got in it when I came to England uh, with my short pants, I got a job. Uh, at the Edinburgh Festival for the the music director, for the music side. So those those four years, I met everybody in the musical, from Herbert von Karajan to Riccardo Muti to uh, Dan Barenboim to Jacqueline Dupre, to, you know, you name it, uh, all the creme de la creme in the world of the music and theatre. In Milan, when I was a young woman, um, uh, and 20 before coming to England um, I um, bec- because of course I was in, in Milan until uh, until the age of 20, 21 um, I was an actress I, I, I did acting for about, for about again part time because I was working part time and uh, that was uh, experimental art um, theatre and um, I did that for about a couple of years, yeah So I was very interested in theatre. And so the Edinburgh Festival wanted somebody who was interested in theatre and music. And I had good English by then, You you know, and also was good because a lot of artists came from Italy, a lot of singers came from Italy, a lot of opera singers. Um, so that my passion in the arts became augmented a thousand percent when I was at the Edinburgh Festival for four years, and after that I managed orchestras, I managed ensembles, um, I, I and then I started uh, working. I can't remember what else I did. Oh, I was an agent for um, conductors, and and then I started doing these tours much later on. Yeah.
0: The tours uh, food tours so at, at what point you mentioned then the food tours how did how did that become um, a significant part of what you do
1: because I because I wanted to um, be in the food because my mother was such a fantastic cook.
0: She sounds like an incredible woman. Every time you have a, a beautiful photo of her cooking in the book. Mother
1: country, not read or write, you know. Wow. That's something I never said in the book. Wow. So I just thought I want whatever I experienced there not to be dead and finished. I want my grandchildren to know that there was somebody there who was a fantastic cook, and that's why I, I am a cook. My grandchildren don't know about my, you know, my, many, my many lives. But um, the food uh, tours came when people were asking me, write a book, write a book. And I thought, no, what I will do is I want to, to give my knowledge about food uh, to something like television so I got in touch with with the BBC and production companies um, I wrote a big thing about Puglia and about the food of Italy and sent it off sent it off and I said you know I'm the one who can be your guide for any any uh, films on the food of Italy and Like that, a production company uh, said, Yes, Keith Floyd is doing Floyd in Italy. He's never been to Italy. He needs you. So we did all these programs from Lombardy and um, Piemonte to Sicily, eight programs of one hour
0: each. Wow. What timing, what incredible timing that you, you know, that that aligned so well. Incredible. Incredible. And the second time with Rick Stein was the same thing. <laughs> well, I think that now, now that your book is out in the U.S., I think that that like so many people are going to be introduced to who you are. And like you said before, there are so many immigrants from Puglia, who went all over the place, but really hugely in America. So I think that this will um, this will really ring ring home for a lot of people.
1: I hope that people that read it find it as you have, um, find that the essence of it communicates to them in the way that it has communicated to you and to other people I've heard, because this is just not a cookery book it's no. something a little bit different and a little mm-hmm. bit more and significant to one person and and i hope it will be significant to more people that have got the roots somewhere else
0: and it's so approachable as well it's it's very welcoming it like it's like takes you under its arm you know and like and just kind of like it's really it's really lovely so i have i i want would like to read this this quote um from from the book Puglia is a land where nature is unspoilt and culinary traditions are still very much alive sharing a bruschetta and a gra- and a glass of wine can be more convivial than a banquet And I think that that's beautiful because who says we need opulence in order to celebrate or enjoy life? Exactly.
1: And shall I say what uh, Epicurus says about the art? Yeah.
0: Bring in, bring in our man Epicurus. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pleasure is the key to a good life
0: Hmm.
1: and eating simple food gives you pleasure.
0: I love it so much. And I always end every episode with a question which you and I have already touched on earlier this episode, but I'll just circle back to it. How do you keep it quirky? Well, I think I'm
1: definitely quirky. (laughs) The best way. (laughs) I, I always try to keep a sense of humor Passion and mischief in everything I do.
0: Ooh, I love <laughs> the mischief. I love
1: it. <laughs> and I, I think, I think that if you don't see it uh, on the positive side, things will become blacker and blacker. Whereas y- y- you can only. You can only um, sort of stay with the moment and see and hope that it gets uh, sunnier and sunnier. And that is my personality. I just want to, uh, you know, have traces of madness in me <laughs> which means which means passion which means uh, joie de vivre uh, which means um, loving nature and all the quackiness of nature i mean mm. as well we are we are nature and when there is a bit of madness it's because you want to say something that it's not right and so then the peace and calm comes again uh, so i just like to be up and
0: down you 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 are my favorite kind of quirky um (laughs) thank you thank you so much for coming on the podcast i I really appreciate it this has been such a pleasure
1: thank you my pleasure and hope to see you soon in bella Puglia. yes
0: arrivederci (laughs) thanks again anna for coming on the podcast So you all should go buy Anna's book. It's called Under the Olive Tree, Memories and Flavors of Puglia. Under the Olive Tree was published in the UK last year and it has just published in America. It's already won awards. It's a really wonderful book full of simple and doable recipes that honestly will transport you to Italy. And she just started an Instagram account, very exciting, where she shares her Pugliese cooking. You can follow her on Instagram at Anamajo858. Her last name is M-A-G-G-I-O. Thank you for listening and a big huge thanks again to my Patreon community. You all are the best. Thank you so much for supporting this content. And also a big thanks to the musician who wrote the theme song you're listening to now at BQFunk on Instagram. Instagram, go follow him. He's fantastic. All right, that's it for now. Thanks as always for listening and I'll see you all back here before too long. Don't forget to keep it quirky. Ciao.